No manners. Nigga, let's talk about money and how I invest in the shit I get paid to do. These niggas follow the blind, no sense of direction, that shit that a slave would do. I really be taking them risks and pop on the flight, you know how the president do. These niggas hissing like snakes, just standing their hand and playing like the shit really cool. Roll up the gas, sit back and I laugh. I feel all the hate and the greed. Geppetto on niggas that's in competition, is how I'm controlling the streams. These niggas mice that grew to be rats, bring out them discoveries packs. I'm speaking the facts, I ate with them killers, I then it took over the trap. These niggas is actors, wanna be factors. My name good in the streets. My name good on the yard. I know how to suit up and stand on the G. Take you back to the kitchen while I ain't learned how to step from these niggas. They been taking the credit like I don't know shit, like I wasn't the nigga. In the pot with the vision, the steam gon' drop it, the soda gon' catch it. Cold water gon' lock it, take nine or a half and I scrape out the extras. What's up, what's up, world? Southern Family Podcast, man. We back in the building for another one, man. And we got a special guest this evening, the man, the myth, the legend. I have heard about this man a lot through various friends, but this is my, my first time ever seeing his face, and I just heard a lot about him. He got a lot to bring to us tonight, and I'm excited about this conversation, man. You want to introduce yourself? Well... My name is uh, Stanley Burrow. Um, right now, I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, went to Minor High School and Shades Valley High School. Uh, did IB for about two years at Shades Valley. Uh, that was kind of hard. And my junior year, did uh, regular Shades Valley and ended up going back to Minor for my senior year. So I got to experience, you know, meet different people on a different side of town, but still got to come home and graduate with the people that I grew up with. So that was a pretty neat experience. Um, after mine, I went to UAB and pretty much took up um, math to start off with as my major, but quickly got in Cal 2 and saw that there were more letters than numbers. Big boy math. <laughs> yeah, and I kind of was like, yeah, I'm finna think of something else to do. And uh, kind of talked to my advisor. I was like, yeah, I still like numbers, but this strict math is kind of getting a little taxing. She's like, well, what about business school? And I was like, I tried business school. So with business school, they make you take, like, all of the courses, like economics, finance, marketing, industrial distribution, uh and, you know, taking those courses, I kind of didn't like accounting. Uh, marketing was okay. But I really like finance and economics. So after I took those prerequisites, I went back and said, hey, can I just major in economics? She was like, yeah. So then on that track, kind of got to go a little deeper into accounting and finance. And I was like, well, hey, I like finance too, so let's do a double major. And, you know, from there, I finished UAB with an economics and finance degree. And, uh, you know, that was the end of my college career. Okay. 
So before we get into everything, got uh start. I told y'all we was gonna start doing the word of the day. Okay, I had to make sure I was gonna say it right. So the word of the day is indict. I N D I T E. And it's to compose or write as a poem. And when me and Burl first heard it, we was thinking it was like in the indictment and what they be talking about <laughs> right. in court and shit. <laughs> so that's what indict means to compose or write as a poem. Burl, where, where, where you grew up? Uh, We're going to start. Should we start with, yeah, we're going to start. Where you grew up at, bro? Forestdale. Forestdale. And what was it like growing up for you in Forestdale? Uh, both parent home, uh, suburbs. Um, You know, growing up in the neighborhood, we was outside riding bikes, you know, doing young kid stuff, you know, in the woods, in the creek. Um, growing up was pretty, you know, Pretty normal, you know, going through basic stuff. But uh, me and my younger brother, you know, I have a younger brother. Um, so you got, you know, Forestdale, you got Royal Orleans, Pepper Creek, um, Graysville, Adamsville. Um, Brookside. Brook, don't leave Brookside. Yeah, yeah. Don't forget Brookside. <laughs> they getting investigated. <laughs> hey, that's why we grew up there, though. So, I mean, it 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 was. I wouldn't take none, none away from where I, you know I grew up. You know, I feel like it was a pretty, pretty decent life. You know. And you said you had both parents in the home. Yep, both that's parents. what's up. So, where should we start, man? Where where, where you want to start at? As far as where you at in life now? Um. Kind of can start with, you know, leaving off after college. You know, uh, I left college. It took me a little while to find a job, you know. <laughs> and uh, um, after prom, uh, uh, not prom yet, it took me a minute to find a job. And um, finally landed a job at Citizens Trust Bank, you know, a black-owned bank. As a commercial underwriter, you know, something that I felt, you know, real accomplished about. That's in Birmingham? That's in Birmingham. And what is it called again? Citizens Trust Bank. Citizens Trust. Have I seen that before? It's know. downtown. Okay. If you haven't, you should. Okay. I didn't know about it either until I started working there. Um, Learned a lot there. Uh, Learned oh. about business. Learned about tax returns. Learned about how to get a loan. Uh, what it takes to get a loan. And the greatest thing that has helped me out now is I saw other black businessmen and women actually doing it. Right. And um, and this was right out of high school or a little after high school? After college. After college, okay, yeah. okay. After college. And, um, you know, it, it kind of showed me, like, hey, there are brothers and sisters out here in the city you know, doing real things, big things, buying apartments, buying hotels, fixing up this, fixing up that, starting businesses. So I was like, mm, it's not, it's not a myth. You know, once right. you see something, it, it's easier for me to do something if I can see it. And I never you saw. Know? I think that was one of my hurdles that I never saw it. So mm -hmm. it's dope that you actually saw it. And not only seeing it, helping, actually going through the motion, like, hey, this is what you need to get this loan. This is what you're doing right here. Uh, this is what your cash flow is. This is what. How old are you at this point? 
29. Okay. You said this is what your cash flow is. Cash flow, uh, what your credit scores need to be. If your credit score is it what it is, what can you help to make it get better? Or what can you strengthen to, if you have a weaker credit score and may have a stronger cash flow, have a stronger collateral pool. And like I say, the biggest thing was just seeing that. And I want to reverse back to even in college. Um, I wasn't a straight A student. You know, I was on academic probation at one point. But uh, another thing that helped me out there was I was in a group called Feed Men which was, again, another pool of young black men. Uh, I don't know if they started when I got there, but it was basically ran by all of the black professors and faculty at UAB. You said B-Men? Yeah, B-Men. It was like Blazer Male Excellence. Okay. And um, Oh, B-Men. Yeah, B-Men. Got you. Yeah. Got you. And so we pretty much had, you know, black male faculty come and talk to us every Friday. We would have a class and we would go over different topics, you know, stuff that was, you know, maybe challenging going to a predominantly white institution, being a black male, maybe from Birmingham, you know, uh, and just dealing with the stuff that we deal with. And it was just good to have coping and, and different, just have more encouragement, you know. And um, one of the biggest things that was, you know, good about it was just talking to the other men and the other peers in in the class because you know usually when we in school you, we all tough and don't say nothing and don't know how I'm to communicate flunking and you know you may be doing good but I don't know speak to you because I ain't really saying that you know so did you have communication issues as a kid because we talked about that in the last episode I would say I was definitely shy okay you know, I was definitely right. shy and wouldn't really ask for help we're really just just say not say nothing. I was right there with you. And a lot of time I wasn't like dumb, but most of the time I could listen to something and just, you know, get it. But in college it's a little different, you know. You wanna reach out for help, you know, think you do it on your own, trying to be all macho, but really you just need to ask for help. Real talk. The resources I did, you're paying for it. So you might as well use it. And through the B man, you know, networking, got into a, a uh internship program called the ASPA. Uh, Alabama Small Business Alliance. Okay. Feeling fit blessing just falling your way, ain't it? <laughs> yeah. In and I'm going to tell you how crazy this blessing was. It was the first one, and they actually started on my birthday. Dope. January 15th, which is also Martin Luther King's birthday. All right. Um, and that program was, again, you know, getting minority students in internships with other minority and women-owned businesses in the city. So with that, it's not it's Alabama Small Business Alliance. Let's see that pop up. You can probably type in UAB. We're trying to figure it out, put it, get it on the screen so we can kind of see it. But you can you can keep going while he's searching for it. But um, yeah, it kind of partners up with minority and women-owned businesses in the Birmingham area, and that was real special and neat. Um, due to the fact that I was able to actually be pretty much hands-on with the owner of the business. So once again, oh, yeah. even before I get to the bank, I'm in college. You know, 
with uh, Spec 9 Flooring, Mr. Orlando's East and Investment. Uh, helping him with flooring, doing pricing, doing floors like this. These are nice floors, you know, doing stuff just like this. Uh, going to downtown Regis building, going to the airport. He had a contract with them. And saying like, dang, he go, you know, oh, they, it's a black dude really and this, doing That's why I'm finna say it's a black man. Like, wow. Like, oh. And hmm. these are programs that are still, still running today. On, See, I ain't never today. heard about nothing. None of it, bro. That's crazy. Still running bro. on today. And, um, that was my first year doing it. My next year, uh, I partnered with a uh, Mr. Dominic Wallace at uh, Wallace Capital, pretty much like a, a financing company where we did underwriting for small business, again, doing loans. Uh, and again, seeing another black man mm-hmm. run a business and do it successfully. And I'm like, okay, so at this time, I wasn't thinking about being in business. I was just like, I just want to get a good job. You know, that's where you go to college, get a good job. Everybody, hooray you. And I was just like, let me just get a good job. But looking back on it, getting blessed, I was able to see these things. And so now that I'm in that position to actually, you know, do my own business, it's not such a, you know, a scary thing. Or it's not like, I've seen where they like, oh, this, this is hard. I'm not making no money this month. But this month, I've made three times what I made in the last month. You got to figure out how to go with those ups and downs. Because they, they coming. They coming. They coming. They coming. And as parents, we should uh, encourage our kids to want to do and reach farther than just graduating high school or graduating college and getting the job to feed the economy. You should want to push them to try to at least try to start a business and get get the kind of what you went through, getting those foundations laid to where they are able to expand their horizon and then see what's out there and make a decision on their own versus go graduate high school, go to college, get a good job because it's more out there than just, it's more ways to earn money than having a job, run a business, find your hustle, whatever. But we got to, as black people start pushing our children to want to do more, especially in the communities and even outside of the community. And now I'll tell you one thing that helped me with that. You said push our kids, but one thing I know that the black community do a lot of time, as soon as you get out of high school, that's it. You know, we push you I, out of the I house. Had those parents. You go, and that but parent. I was blessed enough to have the parents to say, hey, stay downstairs in the basement, stay your mom. And now I will say I did have my granddaddy that wanted me to do that exact same thing, but me not knowing the world outside of those walls, I wanted to get out there on my own and do it. And in my household, I ain't never mentioned this, but my mama didn't graduate high school. So all she wanted to do was see her kids graduate high school. There was no pushing me into, Hey, you should do this, this, that, and the third. As long as I graduated high school, she was happy. And that's what that was my mindset. Just graduate high school and my mom's happy. But I should have been, she should have been pushing me to do more, to see more. I've been thinking about this analogy of, you know, the railmen when they're hitting the nails. I don't know if they do it today, but on the, they have to hit those wrong. Get in the comments and let us know how they do it. But they be hitting the nail to get it down on the railroad. Mm-hmm. So take that pitch, that is this analogy. The kid is the nail. So 
in a perfect situation. You got your mom and your dad. They got the jackhammer, and they're nailing. They're hitting. They're nailing this in your head. Hey, they're asking you these questions. What do you want to do with your life? What do you like? Do you like this, that, the third? And you got maybe one or two more outside people, whether it be an auntie, a cousin, somebody that loves you enough to get right there with your mom and your dad, and they're hitting everybody because they do it in sequence one hits then the other hits right. then the other hits so they're doing it in sequence but in this analogy they're asking you questions hey what do you want to do with your life what you gonna do when you start this early so when it's time for them to ask themselves that question they're able to point out things that they might like or maybe they want to try and then that goes back to the custodial Roth IRA if you have that in place when they do get on that track to where they want to do something, you've had that money compounding for mm -hmm. them so that you can reach into that money and invest in your children. But that's, I just had to, it's been on my mind all week. I just had to get that now That's off a good my, analogy. That's that's a good one. Just hammer it away, bro. But go ahead. Yeah, and like I was saying, uh, you know, when parents, you know, especially in the black community, a lot of times we are pushing our kids out at a quicker rate, you know, than what they're ready. You know, it's good to get them out the house quick and put them on their own feet. But one thing I enjoy the luxury of, yeah, I wanted to go, I definitely wanted, I wanted to go to Alabama. Did not want to go to UAB, did not want to stay in Birmingham. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, I'm so depressed that I got to go to UAB. But, like you say, looking back at it, God. staying in the city, then also being able to stay home instead of costing so much on the dorm, costing all that extra money, I was able to graduate college with no debt. And avoid a lot of stress. And avoid a lot of stress that came with. Yeah, I probably missed some of the super parties that was at the dorm. And I, I, I probably missed some of that stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, it helped me save and, and put myself in a position to where I can take certain risks. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's that's what happens when, when a lot of time we force our kids to go out at a younger age and, you know, fend for themselves, you know, when, you know, if they can abide by parents' rule, you know, you had to buy, do certain studies, I can't do in the dorm. If I want to do whatever I want to do, I can do whatever I want to do. Mom house is a little different, you know, so, <laughs> but it, it's the trade-off, you know, but I didn't see got, it. And we should be able to look at it and realize those trade-offs. Don't make that decision so fast. Think about what you're getting yourself, actually getting yourself into. When you're young, you're fresh out of high school, what you want to go do? You are in the party, drink, do what Have you a come in when you want to. So, I mean, but even my parents was cool. They basically let me do whatever I wanted to do, honestly. But um, still at the same time, that helped me and got me to a point where I was able to even save. That's another thing I did in college, you know, was able to save and invest. Another reason I didn't tell y'all to start off with why I was so fascinated with finance and kind of wanted to be business-minded because I lived in two-parent home suburbs, never really struggled for anything, but my mom went bankrupt. So in my head, I'm like, daddy you, got a good job. Did you see it while it was happening or it just happening? I mean, I was young, so I didn't really know what was going on, mm -hmm. but Looking back, I saw, you know, just we had a recession, you know, poor spending habits, 
Mom kind of lost her job, credit card debt piling up. So, even though this suburb family, blah, 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 still get hit with the bankruptcy. So, I'm like, dang, how how we get in this position? You know, young kid, like 13, 14, 15, how we, how we get in this position? So, growing up, I wanted to always learn about finance, and they don't teach that in school. So, nope. so you try to feed the economy. Basically. And that kind of led me to, you know, go more deeper into that field. And um, after that, you know, working at the bank for about a year and a half, uh, they ended up letting me go. And for whatever reason, I really don't know. But it was right before COVID when everybody got pretty much laid off. And uh, prior, about four or five months before they let me go, one of my friends that I went to college with, um, he had started selling cars. And I was like, hey. No, he came to me and actually was like, hey, you know, I'm doing financing now. I was just doing cash, but now I got hooked up with a finance company. I need help putting together some of these finance deals. Well, that's what I do at the bank all day. So I was like, hey, I can help you with this. Um, it's crazy how God works. It really is. And... um end up seeing, you know, I'm like, oh, shoot, let me, well, let me put a few dollars with you because this seems pretty, you know, lucrative, nice, nice idea. And, um, you know, after they let me go, I kind of was like, hey, bro, I kind of just need to do this full time with you now. And um, one thing I learned at the bank was, you know, if you learn how to flip other people's money, that's all the bank do. You, they, they flipping your money. <laughs> exactly. So if you learn how to do what they do, then you could probably, you know, get where they at. And uh, try to get a business loan, you know, to, to come in and, and start selling cars with him, but they wouldn't let me do it. Did you, do you know why? No business tax returns, none of that. I got you. But my credit score was good enough. I went and got a personal loan mm-hmm. and put that in. And pretty much started using that to flip cars. And here we are pretty much f- four years later, you know, still kind of doing it. And uh, I credit that a lot to those steps that I went through seeing, you know, being with the B-men, you know, seeing brothers and, and networking with them, going through the ASPA program, seeing, you know, black men run businesses, right. then getting at the bank and actually – help fund other black businesses. So I'm like, yeah, this isn't this isn't taboo. Like as the news may make, you never see us on TV, mm-hmm. but they're here and they're alive and they're doing well in the city. You know what I'm saying? So And that's what this podcast, we want to be able to bring people like that to the table and talk about it so we can shine a light on these people so the youth can see their color skin people handling business and make them see something that they might want to do or just further their reach and get out the streets, man. Cause there's so many of them lost in this music and want to do everything in the music. And it's, it's frustrating and it hurts me because I, I see it every day and it's like, Come on, bro. It's so much life out here to live. It's so much to see outside of that block, them apartments. And it's and I, it's up to the parents to sh- sh- show them. If you can't take them somewhere, show them a YouTube video. It's out there to show them, like, look, this is what's out there. 
Don't you want to get off it? Of, don't you want to get out of here? Right. But see, a lot of times, you know, like I said, when people don't leave an area or get exposed to different things, they don't know any different. Just like, like I said, getting exposed to those black men in these different situations enlightened me. You know, even at UAB, you know, uh, I like to tell people I I've been. I've been around in the Inslee and other areas, and, and but I've also uh, been to New York. They've sent me to a uh, pretty much a financial conference in New York, and I've networked with the billionaires and stuff up there, and I wasn't afraid. I'm not afraid, um, you know, to be amongst my people. I'm not afraid to be with people that's not like me, you know, mm-hmm. that's not like-minded or whatever. But I think when you don't have that exposure, you can get more closed-minded. And then that kind of, like you say, environmental trauma, that kind of brings in, you know, less ability to want to go out and do other things. And then that, you know, kind of keeps you in your circle. It's the same thing, like you say, the music, the drugs, the streets. Like, that's that's what seems cool down here. But, bro, you go somewhere else, that ain't going to mean nothing to somebody else. They like, that don't. They looking at your side. It's just right. like, what are you, what are you doing, it's so it's much so more. Much it's so much more. That's cool if you do that, and that's yeah. cool. But do something else too. Mm-hmm. Just try something else. Try and to try to get out. Don't just turn a turn a bad eye to it because you don't know. If you don't know, try to find somebody that knows. Or you got to look in the right places. Just don't shoot something down because you don't know or understand it. It's it's crazy, man. And we do have a lot of like, you know, economic and other factors. Like, for example, I remember when we were in probably 11 or 12th grade, 10th grade, somewhere. And it was Hoover was, this is when iPads was first coming out. Hoover, all their students got like the use of iPads. I'm at minor. Ain't no iPad in sight. We got, we got the night, we got the 1986 history book. (laughs) You got the fat computers. You like, come on, bro. Like, so it and that and all actually some things aren't just fair. But within that with technology the way it is now, it's kind of making it more of an even playing field. So just like with, you know, we was talking about the music and the stuff like that. Just how you can go and watch little dirt music video or all these other people's music videos. You can spend that same five, six minutes looking at a crypto video. And it may not be as exciting. But if you learn and figure out how to make some money off it, I guarantee you that Don't crypto you see video. see that first check pop, you, 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 you. <laughs> it going to make you want to get in there and make some shit happen, man. Because uh, what I was going to say. Mm, I lost it. I lost it. It is exciting, though. Like you say, it is exciting. I know we was talking about the... Uh, no, going from just watching rap videos or just watching funny videos. Ain't nothing wrong with watching funny stuff and stuff like that. But if that's all you're doing. Just really think about if you spent half of that time just looking up something a little more. And it's all on YouTube. Now, you do got to find them right there. There's a lot of stuff up there. But you can find the people with millions of views, with good content, good likes. Mm-hmm. And they're definitely giving you game. I'm not even going to lie, especially with this crypto stuff. I... My teacher in college, them, we tried to do a presentation. I was in the Green and Gold Fund, basically a club that allowed us to invest. And I'm forgetting about one person, Mr. Keith Carter. Um, he's a financial advisor down here in Birmingham. He pretty much uh, 
basically told me, hey, go get in the green and gold fund and color it up. You know what I'm saying? Because it wasn't none of us in there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and went into the green and gold fund and learned a lot about finance. But Mr. Keith Carter pretty much told me, like, hey, use this as a tool to learn and, you know, help better yourself and to invest. Um, you know, it, at that time, uh, I can tell you about my first investment. Because a lot of people may invest the first time and lose a lot of money. And then they don't want to do and it then anymore. They stir away from it. I did that. <laughs> I definitely, I definitely, I'm talking about the most horriblest investment. First investment I did in my life was buying the Bank of Greece. The Bank of Greece. With penny stocks. As a, okay. Yeah. Okay. Let me tell you my reasoning. We had, I just looked at, we was just coming out of the 08 crisis where all the banks had tanked. How like, old are you at this point doing this? I was in probably 12, 13, 2011, 12, 12, 13. So I'm 21, 22, 23, something in that, age, okay. that range. And um, probably younger than that, honestly. Probably about 21, 22. Okay. And uh, went to him. This is before Robin Hood, before just buying it on your app. Mm-hmm. And when it sat down with him, he's like, me and my, my, my business partner, he's like, I don't know about this one, but you seem like you did your research. He's like, either, I'm going to tell you what it is. You're going to hit a home run or you're going to go out swinging. <laughs> and uh, pretty much my reasoning from buying it was basically, all right, the U.S. banks did this and that. You know, it it, it tanked. I mean, it went up. The, the housing market crash happened. It tanked. Then after that, it came back up. So I'm like, ooh, look at the Bank of Greece. They down right now. So I was like, you know what? They're a European country. They should be able to bounce back. Big mistake. <laughs> they Their economy is nothing compared to the United States. Their economy is probably a, a one-tenth or one-hundredth of what the U.S. economy is. So I bought the Bank of Greece. And is that the chart of it right there? No. Oh. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I think we bought some shares at like 80 cents a share, mm-hmm. spent like $1,200 and we, I don't I forgot how many shares we got, but I got a little, you know, I got my buddy to invest, you know, I put up like 600, they put up like two, $300, pretty much lost all their money. But at the end of the day, um, it ended up going from like 80 cents, to like a dollar and 20 dollars. Like, oh, we made some money. But shortly after it was something. I think they was voting on if uh, the euro, the EU was going to bail out. Uh, no, if Germany was going to bail out the the Bank of Greece again, not the first time, but again. And I think they didn't vote on it. And I think they let them tank. This came out in the news. Yeah, it came oh, out as Redfold. That's Redfold. The news. I had a little app to where. Well, it was a website. It was green folder, yellow folder, and red folder. And in those red folders were all of the topics that the news was going to talk about. So you really didn't want to invest in those companies right mm-hmm. then because it was a possibility that it could go. I wish I knew that back then. <laughs> I would have saved myself. I would have definitely saved Bank of Greece. Okay. So what did you learn from that experience? Well, it got even better because not only did it lose, I learned, I learned a lot of stuff from that experience. They did what's called a reverse split. Y'all ever heard of reverse split? I've heard the term, but I don't know. You ever heard of a stock split? Right, yeah. 
So, you know, just like Apple, I think Apple did a stock split. So Apple may have been trading at $250. They do a five-to-one reverse. They do a five-to-one split. So that means that $250 share is now $50 a share because it's divided by five. So it makes it seem cheaper, but in actuality, it's the same thing. A reverse split is when they say, you got five Apple shares, we finna do a five to one reverse split. So now you only got one share. Value at the same price or less. Mm. So the Bank of Greece did a 15 to one oh. reverse <laughs> split on me. 1,200 shares went to 80 mm. at the same price. You play some kind of bad sound effect for that. First <laughs> mm. investment. Yeah. Why? So why would they do something like that? Is that saving their ass in some type of way? It kind of is because now they're consolidating their shares. Okay. And so they now they don't have so many outstanding shares. And not to be, I don't know what that does, but I feel like, you know, that it's helping them some kind of way. But oh, I know sorry. it's not helping me at all. Uh, I lost big time when we lost other people money too. But... After that, I went and talked to Mr. Carter. He was like, well, I told you you're going to either hit a home run or you're going to lose it all. He said, now, because it ain't over with, now, you know, and, and understanding now, this is what you do. Go invest in stuff that you know. I said, what do I know? I know Facebook. I know Google. I know Amazon. I know Home Depot. And I think this one Square first came out. I was like, Square sound pretty cool. You know, you can swipe stuff right then and there. But I messed up Square big time, so I, I destroyed my Square opportunity at that time. But um, I bought those shares pretty much. And at that time, I think Google was like six hundred bucks. Amazon was like six hundred bucks. I don't even remember what Facebook was. Home Depot was like a hundred and some dollars. And I bought a few, few shares with the money that I had saved. And uh, one share or just a couple? I think I bought like three Amazon shares, like two Google shares, um, a few Facebooks. And uh, pretty much over the rest of my college career, I didn't really touch those things. And when it got time for me to graduate, and I definitely took long to graduate. Like I said, I was on academic probation, messing up, blah, 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 blah. Um, I used some of that investment money. I sold it and paid for my college, which I wish I would have never did that. I wish I would have, you know, in hindsight, I wish I would have been able to hold it. But at the same time, that was a, I feel like that was a good move because I was able to, right. And I learned the value of, like I say, putting your money in something and letting it work. And I really seen it happen in real time at a young age. Um, it's and, important to see those things at a young age, not forty, not, not at thirty, right? 40. Not at you need to have an understanding of this at I'm gonna say five or six years old because the child's mind is something amazing. I'm watching my one year old and the things he's doing and retaining. I'm seeing what I can do with this young man and what I can help. Just it, and all it takes is 15, 20 minutes a day, daily, consistently, so they understand what's going on. But I'm seeing what I can do with this young man. So it's, don't, 
Don't put a ceiling on your child. Yeah, don't do that. Try it as young and as early. If you're not doing it now, start now because the younger they have an understanding of this and what's going on, they can you can teach them. If you're learning how to do it, have them sit with you. Get the, I don't care how young they are because they're going to do what they see you doing. So they'll probably get they'll probably start walking around grabbing their little laptop or whatever they got and they want to try to mimic what you're doing. Right. So start implementing that as young as possible so we can change this curve that we're on because we're at the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to wealth. Blacks, we are at the very bottom of every race and that's ridiculous to say because we got we started a lot of this shit that's going on in this world, to be honest. To be honest. So why are we at the bottom? Why? But anyway, what was we talking about? Sorry, I be getting emotional about this shit. Nah, it, because it's, it's like, real. It's really real. And um, the wealth and quality gap is serious. And it's something that, you know, it's getting worse, honestly, just to be real. Um, we talked about it Last episode, if you ain't seen it, either we talked about it in the episode, the last episode or the one before that, we was talking about but it. Did, did y'all go into detail of how, and what this is my theory on what's even been making it worse. Talk about it. this with the pandemic, for example. You know, um, during this pandemic, if you did not own any assets, you well for the ones who owned assets, houses. Uh, businesses, stocks, other things. Um, those have went up in value a lot, and most of the time, you know, in our community, we're not owners of much things. We have a lot of liabilities that we own. You know, car notes, um, everything, you know, renting, pretty much, pretty much everything. We're buying a brand, man. Buying a brand, and then on top of that, with how inflation is happening and stuff is going up and they're not increasing your pay. It's okay if I'm a millionaire and my pay stayed the same, but everything I own just went up by 300%. So I don't really care about this little inflation that's going on right now. Mm -hmm. But for somebody who doesn't have that luxury and it's really a 10% increase on food and gas is kind of putting them in a tight spot, you know, being, Financial illiterate is really a death sentence right now. Um, and, and it's I said to put it kind of harsh like that, but we're gotcha. living in a in a peculiar time right now where if if we're not getting, you know, smart about using your money or saving your money right, they're trying to squeeze the middle and, and lower class out. And you know, you see with the cost of living, the cost of food, the cost of all this stuff, I feel like Pretty much a lot of crime goes on because people don't have what they need. There are some no there's a lot of knuckleheads out who just gonna do dumb stuff. They may be five percent of the population, but most of the people doing crazy stuff, bro, they really doing it because they that's their way of getting it. That's 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 the only way they know. That's the they, only way they don't know, know a better way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just gotta make the opportunities more clear for them. Right. And it starts in the home. We've been Three or four episodes now, we just said it starts in the home. You as the parent, you you got to send them out here with a better understanding of what's going on around them, the money that's moving. And if you don't know, you need to start learning or getting your kids around people that do know. (sighs) I be getting 
<laughs> man, that shit irks my nerves, man. But and you you know the capability that we have as a people and some of the individuals that you might look at. You might look at them and like you know that they can do better. Why not? And we got to change that why, man. We got to. So, Burrow, your second investment after the Greece, Bank of Greece. Second investment, like I said, I probably spent around three grand on buying, maybe a little less on buying all those, the Google, Amazon, Facebook. And in that time, I watched from about 2000 and I graduated college in 17. So, most of that stuff in 16. So, from about 12 to about 16. I just watched all my stuff about triple, quadruple. I even bought some Boeing stock later on. Uh, that did very well. I mean, now it's you know, okay, but at that time it did very well. And uh, like I said, I used that to pay off the rest of my college tuition. I worked um, two jobs. I was working uh, at the Hilton as a banquet houseman. I did valet at the Sheraton. With Kendall and them. <laughs> uh, that was an experience. That's in crazy itself. that you was there. I think I saw him once when he was up there. Like, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe he was there. Maybe he ain't. Go ahead. And then those internships also, you know, they paid as well. That asked what I was telling y'all about, they paid. And I was able to, like I say, graduate college with no debt. And that also helped me out too. You know, not having to come out in the world with 50 to 60 to $100,000 worth of debt. Now I can go to walk into a bank and really ask for a loan. They like not they not saying like, oh, look at all this debt you already got. You know, they they're saying like, hey, you you can possibly we can do something. You know, it's not what I wanted, but it's at least something, like I said, with the personal loan. They gave me a personal loan, but not a business loan. And I figured that's a little harder to get a business loan, but mm-hmm. it's easy to get all these other loans, like credit cards and all of that. Oh, this is one thing I did do, uh, just coming up out of nowhere. Um at first, they wouldn't let me get a loan. So what I did was I applied for a credit card. And this is risky, but, you know, for people who may try and get some capital and they won't give them to you, but they'll get your credit card real quick. If you already have a business like a Square or something where you can swipe your card, I pretty much swipe my own credit card, send the money to my own bank account, and then start buying cars. And, 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 and flip that... And it's 30 days. No, if you pay it back in 30 days, it's no interest. Mm-hmm. And a lot of time when you first get the card, it's no interest anyway for the first 12 months. So that's another way I was able to get you know, some startup capital to help. Smooth way to use that. But you got to make sure you... tool. Yeah. Credit is a tool. You can use it the right way or you can use it the wrong way. But that, that's dope that you saw that opportunity and found figured out a way around it most people don't uh, don't even understand how to do things like that or know that something like that is possible and i asked some people about it and they was like wow that's really taboo i never heard of that like i asked the guy that i used to work for at uh in my internship he's like i never heard of that so the only thing that was coming up with like how do you kind of account for that and again i'm not the best accountant i definitely was using my homegirls to cheat on my accountants. <laughs> all the stuff was online, so I just let, let them log in and do it. But uh, at the end of the day, um, how you would do that is you would swipe the card. That's a loan. 
Because, yeah, it's income, but then you got this debt balance right here. Mm-hmm. So that's a loan to yourself. And then after you say you buy whatever, you buy merchandise for $1,000. And uh, you buy, you make 1500 put the $1,000 back on the card and keep the $500 as profit. All right, so we're going to pivot a little bit. Shout out to the Pivot Podcast, man. Gonna pivot into crypto, bro. How do you feel about crypto as a whole right now? What is your synopsis? Yeah, I dropped synopsis on y'all last this evening. What is your synopsis <laughs> on the crypto world right now? Um, I love it. Um, it's it's new. It's it's uh, it's kind of like the internet, you know. Back in the 2000s, it's kind of like this thing that people don't really know what to do with. Is it a scam? What do we do with it? What what can you do with it? But overall, it, it's a space that we need to get into. Definitely. It's a space that, uh, you know, we need to learn about. We don't need to just play with it. don't just need to doge it out. Um, you <laughs> need, you're talking about doge? Don't just need to YOLO and doge it out. That's... That's cool. That that's good for your entry point. That's that's good to get you acclimated to it. But you need to go a little bit deeper because uh, I have a strong feeling that this is not going anywhere, and this is going to be kind of the way we kind of do transactions in this world going forward. And I keep telling people that the government has already hinted at another. They are already talking about adopting this, and I keep tell you know about uh, Stellar Lumens. Stella Loomis and XRP. XRP. Mm -hmm. XLM and XRP. Mm -hmm. Those are pretty much the only two that are right there in that transaction area to where you sending and receiving. They're pretty much trying to make it feeless. And these, I know XLM is sitting around 23 cents a share right now. And from what I looked at a couple of days ago, it's still, they keep talking about it, right? It's going to go through the roof, in my opinion. It's going to kind of have that Bitcoin reaction, but not on the that big, big pop, but you're going to be able to make a lot of money. And I keep pushing people to get invested now because you ain't going to, once stuff start happening, you're not going to see these not, prices like this no more. And you don't want to, that's where I've, <clears throat> I've made my mistake. See, with this crypto stuff is really... Right now, it goes in waves. You know, we're still in the early stages. This technology has only been around for, what, 12, 2008, 14 years. So it's coming on 14, 13, 14 years. And uh, it kind of runs in four-year cycles so far. There was a four-year cycle from 08 to 2012 where it ran up, which is called a bull market. Um, You have some accumulation phases and um go through the bull market you have your peak and it comes down tumbling back down to hard find that's the hard that's, that's how it turn you off if you're not familiar with it and you get in at the wrong time yes you'll lose all your money if you sell and don't do anything about it mm-hmm. um and it has done this two three times so i first learned about bitcoin in like 2015-16 by watching the movie i can't remember what it was but they were buying, you know, drugs offline with Bitcoin. I was like, oh, what's Bitcoin? What is this? And I just, you know, shugged it off. Like, this is, you no, know, that's cool. Mm-hmm. 
But then I had a buddy of mine in college kind of tell me about Bitcoin. And he was like, bro, for real, he like, buy this stuff and hold on. And I was like, you know what I'm saying? Not really paying. I'm like, I'm in stocks. I'm in stocks. I, had, so I, I was right there with you because that was when I was getting into stocks. Yeah. And I'm up there. I was in Tallahassee at the time. And dude named Ed, shout out to Ed. He was talking about Bitcoin. And I kept kind of, I knew what it was, but I didn't reset. That was when it was kind of popping in it, but I didn't research it. But it was still at a viable area, and I kind of I'm in the stock just like you. Uh, yeah, I'm in these stocks. My right buddy now. Matt, that group though. Yeah, my buddy Matt told me about it, and uh, and I was like, you know, at that time, I think it was like a thousand or eleven hundred dollars, and I'm just sitting here watching it. I think I had downloaded the Coinbase app. I wish I could show y'all uh, screenshots of how the old Coinbase used to look. It was literally only Bitcoin and Ethereum, not all this stuff on there. Only those two, like, and it was kind of bland and basic, kind of like a Bebo page as compared to <laughs> the Bebo. Facebook now. You <laughs> yeah. know what I'm saying? It's, it's an upgrade. But uh, I bought my first Bitcoin, uh, about a point three of Bitcoin. That was when it was like $1,300. I spent like $500. And immediately, immediately sent it to a scam. You know, listen, listen again. My first, using my first investments are horrible. And that just be, I guess, God testing me. Be like, hey, you're going to make a mistake, bro. But just go back and learn from it. So immediately I bought, and my buddy, uh, Aaron, he, you know, him and his uh, friends, they, they, uh, it was a thing called Gladio Coin. And you were supposed to send them your Bitcoin. It was one of these high yield providing things. Mm-hmm. Is that like I said, this is 2005. No, what year? This is 17, I think. 16 or 17, like 17 June. And we had this was so crazy. We had to buy the Bitcoin. You can't even buy it. I don't even think I had the Coinbase yet. We had to go to a credit union and send money to some guy that we did not know. And just hope he sent it back to our Bitcoin <laughs> wallet. And he did. He did. We we didn't get scammed there, but our next move was to scam. Sent it to Gladio Coin. And uh if you probably Google Gladio Coin, you'll see scam alert and people trying to sue him and all of that. But uh sent them Gladio Coin, they were supposed to pay you back a percentage every month of what you put in until you get all your money back. Well, they sent I put in five hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin. And they sent me back like $50 worth of Bitcoin the next month. I'm like, okay, hell yeah. So I'm waiting <laughs> on the next payment. Nothing. Go to the website. It's gone. <laughs> Damn. So it was a pop shop. They popped it up, got, got it, and got out. Mm. And to that day, a point three of Bitcoin is probably what? What is it, $40,000? That was point three. That's like twelve grand, thirteen grand. If I just would have not did nothing. <laughs> Exactly. So I lost that. Got very discouraged, like, damn. But after that, so you know what? I'm not going to deal with what, you know, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to try to get into those type of things, you know. Control what you can control. Right. And just do a little bit more research. If I had done a little bit more research, probably could have seen that. Hey, this is not well put together. The website is kind of in different languages and stuff like that. And but from that again, kind of like with the stock investing thing, I I learned and I came back and said, you know what, I'm about this, I'm about that. I'm gonna just let it sit there. And um, got some Ethereum pretty cheap. Got some Bitcoin. Bought some more Bitcoin and 
um, this was kind of when stuff was kind of you know easing on up. So I'm like, now I'm buying. I'm like, oh shit! I just bought Ethereum for like ninety dollars. Now it's three hundred. Oh, now it's four hundred. Oh, now it's fourteen hundred. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the fuck? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what is going on, bro? What is this? And boom, straight back down. And I'm like, lost all that money. And I'm just like. Then now we're going through a bear market, you know, mm-hmm. and that was pretty much from 17, 18, 19, boom, COVID. And then we had that Corona dump, they call it. And from there we went, you know, psh, straight back up. Now we're kind of in another phase where we kind of fell Damn, off. Damn. But this time it's not as exaggerated. You know, we've only fell, I mean, f- falling from, 69,000 to about 30. In the old days, we went from 20 to $3,000. That's like an 80% drop. Mm-hmm. And before then, I think it went from $1,200 back to like $200. It's like a 90% drop. So each time it's going up and coming down, the velocity is getting a little smaller. You know, we run up 500%, down 90%, run up 400%, down 80%. You're saying this company's becoming more stable. More, over time, even though this is not stable as compared to stocks, because a 5% drop in stocks have people running for the dough. Crypto dropped 10%. That's just a drop it's, in the bucket. It's a regular day in the crypto world. <laughs> <laughs> but, like I say, to kind of answer the, the, the bigger question, how do I feel about the market, uh, this is the test for crypto in my, my opinion. Um, we're at war. Governments are kind of crippled from COVID at this point. Inflation is very high. Um, and this was supposed to be an alternative system to that. Mm-hmm. And prior... XLM had did sign a contract with MoneyGram. Look it up. If you know MoneyGram, you know how they sit. They have a contract. With MoneyGram, we're talking about billions of dollars, and they sitting at 23 cents a share right now. Get your shit together. But see, people, they don't, like I say, the thing was going on to kind of make it more even understandable. Think about how communications have become so instant. If you go back 80, not even 80, you go back 30, 40 years, the amount of communication that was available at that time they had phones. Let's even go back to the 1920s. They they had phones then, but I, I don't know. It was probably a lot of mail. Or let's even go back to the horse and the pony. It had a Pony Express. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Information has gone from something that was kind of tight-knit. Uh, you know, people couldn't read. There was no printing press. Then they made books, books, printing press, all of this stuff. And... Fast forward into, you know, the 20th century, you have telephone, radio, information is traveling a little bit faster. Fast forward to now the internet and social media, information and text messages travels at the speed of light. If I wanted to send you a text message from Dubai and you're here, it's going to get there, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but for some reason, when we try to send money like that, it becomes an issue. And... I'm glad you said that. Again, XLM and XRP, it 
that's what they're working on. They're working for that that instant. If you want to stand, send money from here to Dubai, if you want to send a U.S. dollar to Dubai, it's converted on the way there. So that whoever is getting it on the other end, they're getting it in the currency that they you don't have to convert it, and, and it's instant have, and it's damn near free. You don't have to deal with the banks. It's gonna take three days to send it exactly, and and take fifteen percent out of it just cause just cause they and then can. if they don't like you, they gonna tell you, bro, you can't send it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to what we talking about and do your own research and make it make sense for you. Don't don't be that person on the back end and say, I wish I would have. Understand what we're talking about now and start investing. Get in where you fit in. Definitely, definitely, because it's it's like I said, it's making kind of like how if, if you want to, because a lot of people don't don't fully understand. Like, I'm not gonna put my money if I don't understand. Well, just understand how the text message made it to where I can instantly message somebody when I want to. I don't have to call a phone or send a letter and wait three four days or wait till the phone answer. I can just send a text message. Now with crypto, I can just send you the money. Okay, yeah, I can do cash app. Cash app is cool, but you know what if I wanted to. You can send stocks through Cash App now too. Right, they're pretty much making it to where being able to send value through the internet is possible. Mm -hmm. Before this, you couldn't just send value uh, through, and it was hard to verify that. Um, and that's the problem. The government wants to verify it, so that's why they want to do all of this extra shit because they got to have a hand in it some type of way. And before they let it get too out of hand, they're going to put all of these regulations on it. Exactly. But I just left the Bitcoin conference in Miami. Talk um, about it. It was How long you was down there? Uh, A week, but the conference was four days. And where you were? Uh, South Beach. Yeah. Mm. They pick a nice place to have it at. Goddamn right. <laughs> I, I wish I was down there. Goddamn <laughs> It's my second time. This actually my third time going to Miami. First time I went just with friends. This is my second time going to the Bitcoin conference. Uh, definitely, I'm going with you next year. I'm calling hey, it. Hey, now. let's go on by the tickets. They 250 If you wait... If you wait till later, they're gonna be eleven hundred dollars. I wish. Hey, I, I'm going with you. Hey, okay. Yeah, I was looking for a reason to go. I buy them tonight, but um, it was good, man. You got to network and, like I say again, exposure. You know, usually in my circle of friends and stuff in my family, I'm the one that knows the most about crypto. Mm -hmm. That's not good. It's it's never good when you're the the smartest person in the room. That means something's wrong. You know what I'm saying? Something went wrong. You're not advancing or you didn't lock yourself in a small place and you and you think it's good, but I like to or get you the place. You just don't have those communication skills and you're scared to have those conversations. Right. So I like to get places where I'm not the smartest one in the room or I'm not, I want to be the little fish so I can learn, you know. And at that Bitcoin conference, you know, you know you're there with Michael Saylor and – uh, Kathy Woods and some Kathy of the big Wood, my dog. That some, lady that made me some bread. Some <laughs> of the big name players, and you actually there again. You're actually seeing them, and you're actually you know listening to them. And I'm hearing the article before the articles get to the news. Like I remember last year when I went, how Jack Dorsey was talking about how he was gonna step down from Twitter and work on Bitcoin 
Well, I heard it at the conference three weeks before they put it in the news. So now I see how it works. You got to be connected if you want to. You can strategically place yourself in certain stocks when that news comes out because the news, sometimes news like that can affect stocks in a good way or a bad, a bad way. way. And if you're in the room with certain people in, in the same area, you know, it was you no, know, it was just good. And one thing I learned from the conference this year is that regulation is coming. You know, you may not like regulation. You may like it. But one thing I do like about the regulation coming to the space is that there are trillions, literally trillions of dollars over here that are waiting to come into this space. Mm-hmm. But since they're, you know, regulated funds, they it's hard for them to figure out ways to put that money in. And when they have a more clear regulatory path, which they're working on right now, and it's painful, like you said, with the XRP and the XLM, XRP is getting sued right now. But again, that's just regulatory playbook to figure out how we want to make this stuff work. Cause it, it's not going back. So now we got to figure out how to integrate it to where the government get what they want. You know, the people, people get what they want. And basically, they just want their taxes and stuff. And um, <laughs> that's pretty much what it's about. And um, and a few other things. But once they figure that out, not only, you know, are we just going to be dealing with, you know, payments and stuff, but we'll be able to do ownership verification with smart contracts. You know about smart contracts? So smart contracts, if people are familiar with Ethereum, and NFTs, the big NFT craze, uh, you know, buying a board yacht, eight, I mean, board, board yacht, or uh, any of these different NFTs, they've went crazy over these past few years. But um, I believe the underlying technology of the NFT, which is showing ownership. Yeah, I got this picture of this 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 thing right here, but. On the blockchain, the underlying technology up under the NFT is a smart contract, which is basically saying, hey, Stanley Burrow owns this. Mm-hmm. If I sell it to you, we don't have to go to the courthouse. We don't have to go to the DMV, to, to lawyer and do all of that. The ownership is transferred through the blockchain, through a smart contract. Once I receive the funds to pay for this object, the ownership is already transferred to you. And it's shown on the digital ledger. So everybody so saw that. that. So that would be kind of like underwriting? That would be kind of like verification of ownership. It's okay. Not kinda, Does this happen automatically, like checking the conditions that they put when you updating your phone? You have to check that box, and it's got this long list of shit. Okay. It's going to happen automatically, and it's coded into the contract. The new language of the world is code. You know, that's another thing we need to get on. I uh, Shout out to better. Kwame Brown. He was talking about getting codings in school. He was talking about that heavy when he came on there. So shout out to Kwame Brown. You heard what Burrell said. Coding is the new what? Language. We get Spanish. You know, you need to know Spanish too. But if you don't know coding going in the future, uh, you're going to be at a disadvantage. Um, but basically, like I said, you can code a smart contract, kind of like me when I deal with cars. Right now, when I sell a car, I have to send the paperwork to the state. The person got to go down to the courthouse and sign all these documents. Um, and it's like a two-week process till the person gets their title. Mm-hmm. Well, with the NFT, 
say we were able to put car titles on NFT platforms on Ethereum. Just like how they sold that picture of that monkey and we know Stephen Curry owned it. Mm-hmm. I can sell you a car and maybe the DLV runs it, but now they don't have to have 16 people sitting there answering the phones. It could be more automated mm-hmm. and more efficient. Um, that's why I see where, you know, because a lot of people worry about the crypto and just making, I want to make $20 million off Doge. And I, I'm just, that's cool. And and by all means, go for it because I'm going for it too. But at the same time, understand that there are a lot of other avenues in this space to build business through this crypto stuff. Just like the internet, when it first came out, people was laughing at Bezos for the Amazon selling books on the internet whatever you were selling on the internet. Now, probably most of the stuff in this room, y'all probably bought off the internet, mm-hmm. you know? I know most stuff I got, I don't probably bought off the internet. Mm-hmm. So, if you have that mindset of just thinking in the future or thinking what could happen, first. you could see that, hey, you know, we're, we're changing as a people, and I wouldn't even say changing, but we're advancing, and there are going to be new avenues to make money. Because like I said, if the DMV doesn't have to have 500 people there to answer the phones and they just got a few maybe coders and technicians working the smart contracts, making sure all the the stuff is going through right, what are those other 498 people going to do? Mm-hmm. You got to find a new avenue. And you, you better start looking now because believe it or not, AI and these robots are about to start replacing a lot of these jobs. So you better be ready to find another avenue because once they bring them robot, they already got them in some restaurants. You can see them on the cruises with the arms. They making drinks. They got kiosks now that's making you pizzas, smoothies. You better pay to wake up and pay attention now here. But uh, yeah, they they already got uh uh metaverse um card dealers for casinos. They already have them people in the metaverse working already, bro. 1,277 jobs just for medical reels. But if you look under any company uh, job board right now, everybody is hiring for just you just to go in there and look around and mm-hmm. tell them what, it what like you to think. Do. Now, have y'all Research. seen, have y'all watched Black Mirror before? Yes. Have y'all seen the one with the, the dude with the merits? Mm-hmm. And the dude was riding. On the bike, just aren't earning money. Y'all seen? Okay, I, I know the the whole concept of how they change different episodes. I think I'm thinking of the one. I think it was that one when they uh they're playing in the game, mm-hmm. like a ticking game, but they got this weird relationship. Well, I was showing. Well, that's that's a new of some of the older ones where they were um. Basically, like how we said, metaverse job. Like these people are literally just working in games and earning money, like real money. And they kind of doing it now. Some of these crypto games pay real money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All you got to do is YouTube and Pegasus. Pegasus. And, and the crazy thing is, a, a lot of those major high yielding crypto, whatever you want to call them, we can't, we don't have access to them here in the state yet. But the UK and all they got. Some crazy earning potential right now, and I wish, I wish I just knew somebody that was over there, and so I can send them money. And we can, and and, and see that's the thing that I do hate about a 
America right now because we kind of are taking the back seat on this crypto stuff for whatever reason. And I think it's more of over here is kind of a threat a little bit because the dollar is what's kind of been ruling the world. Mm-hmm. If we were to switch to a crypto type world, the dollar, that kind of means the dollar is kind of losing some of its dominance. The only reason it has any dominance now is because we say it does. But, and and that's <laughs> what I was going to get to, too. Why, if you look at money, because now we're talking about money, because if you just look at what crypto is, it's a type of money. Money is a thought. It's a man-made thing. It has changed over time. If you go back 5,000 years to Bible time, you get somebody a paper dollar, they about going to look at you like you're crazy. You know, they, they were bartering then. Hey, you got a got a vitamin water i need that cup you know, i got a lot of vitamin waters you got a lot of cups let's alan was trade. talking about that shit let's just trade that but you know that that's a good system but that's limit that limits because what if i need hamburgers and there's nobody that makes hamburgers except over the seas and this is in 1300 well mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot it's, of traveling it's a lot of and it's hard so i think if i'm correct i think the chinese were the first to come up with paper money and I think this was in like the 900 or the 1000 AD, so about a thousand years ago. It's the first time paper money was, you know, around. That constant, you got to think, humans lived on this earth for thousands of years before money was, paper money was even considered. So with the advent of paper money, that started making it to where, hey, right. I can, instead of trading the Anthony, all of this, you know, these things, we could just write some paper money IOUs. As long as we got like a little central trusted banking system, we can, you know, we can work with that. And before before even the paper money, people just trade seashells, gold and silver, of course. But like I said, with the advent of paper money, kind of made it more manageable for transactions to happen on a global scale. And now since we're in the 20th century, um, the banks got a little more sophisticated, you know, even in the United States in the 1800s, the banking system that we know today is not the same. Each state had their own banking. Each state had their own dollars. So you had Alabama dollars, that. Tennessee dollars, and that caused a lot of confusion, you know. Um, I read both of those books, Richest Man in Babylon, Think and Grow Rich, Rich Dad, Poor yeah. Dad. Man in I ain't read that one. It broke everything Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like what ain't that the book that's like 23 pages or something Man, like that the, the, the is, yeah, yeah. i need to get that i need to read Trading, that one i'm thinking about the right book right ain't that book like 23 pages long or yeah, something like that literally. yeah that's a book yeah everybody need to and if you don't like to read do like me get audible audible and hey, hey if you ride in the car turn down turn down the rap for a few seconds right and, and that's play exactly that. what i was telling one of my homeboys try to get out of that habit of clouding your brain with music every time you get in the car get some su- a, and, get some substance when you and get I'm in the sorry car. I'm 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 more spiritual than than religious but that that stuff is spirits bro that's the you listen to that all day every day it's going to affect you like I mean it just is you may not think it is but it will so what I wanted to talk about and touch on real quick is I don't know if y'all didn't seen the uh the LeBron James, I think it released during the Super Bowl, but when LeBron James is talking to his younger self in the crypto commercial, 
I don't know if y'all caught what he was trying to say to y'all, but this is what I interpreted. So I'm finna play it. It's a little 30 second clip. I want y'all to listen. Then we're gonna talk about it. Cordless headphones. You can watch movies through your phone. And y'all got electric cars? Yeah. The future is crunk. Anything else you wanna know? Is the hype too much? Am I ready? I can't tell you everything. But if you wanna make history, you gotta call your own shots. We going to the league. We going to the league. We going to Alright, so in that commercial, it now remember now, this is a crypto.com sponsored commercial. And what he asks his younger self is, is the is the hype too much? Is this crypto thing that they're talking about? Is it is it really all caked up to what they make it out to be? <laughs> I can't tell you everything, but what can I what I can tell you is did anybody get in the comment section? I want to know that y'all see it for what it was or did y'all see it as just a commercial with LeBron James in it? Did it go over y'all heads? Because he's pretty much going back to what you were saying earlier about the internet and the phones. It The hype was too much then for everybody that was looking in on it. They didn't... Turn this Bluetooth off. They didn't... Um, I don't. They didn't see the future as bright as it should have been. I guess I don't know if y'all got that out of that commercial. What was? What did you think about it? Well, yeah, I I pretty much got that out of it. Basically saying like you know, at that time, believe in the LeBron hype because he's kind of. I mean, some people may disagree, but he's lived up for it. You know, he's done his thing, and um, like you said, that whole cycle. There's an investment cycle. Um, and maybe you can pull it up. I don't want to misquote it, but there's always a say a stage of euphoria, and that's kind of where the internet boom started off. Is just oh look at this new technology. Oh, it's gonna do all these things. It's gonna make everything above. Blah, 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 blah. Boom! It doesn't, and it doesn't because it's not ready for you know all the stuff the internet that they say it was gonna do back then is doing now. But we didn't have the chips. We didn't have the technology. We didn't have all of that stuff to kind of complement, you know, the craze that was going on. <laughs> but now we, we we got a lot. Of now that. we got a lot of that. <laughs> more than more than we can understand or fathom right now. If we're being totally honest, that's yeah. why the government is trying to put so many regulations on what's going on right now because it's coming too fast. And I wanted to pivot. Like I said, y'all say the pivot podcast, pivot twice. Um, like you say, the government, the one reason why the government is trying to get its hands on this, because if you think about it, um, Facebook, Google, Apple, Amazon, literally know more about you than Jefferson County. And probably the, the damn feds. They know they know we at the podcast right now. They hear what we're saying. They know that you probably finna order some pizza later on because you already looked it up. They know what ads to put in your face. So they need, the government is losing right now uh, as far as keeping up with its people. And they see that these technologies are having more control over the people than them. If you think back a few years, well, years ago, government, well, I look at it like this. This is kind of off subject, subject, but 
know, in the early days, pretty much what ruled the world was religion. That was it. You know, you know, you had then you had kings and queens, monarchs. So that's kind of a form of government. Then you had the advent of banks. You know, they got a stronghold on a lot of people. But now you had a digital world where that in itself is pretty much making all of those other three avenues that that's named kind of be like, we have to integrate with this. If not, we're going to lose. Look how your churches went digital, your bankers went digital, and your government is having to regulate the hell out of this stuff just to stay relevant. And that's because they can take everything right now and they can put it in the metaverse pretty much. They have it. They're spending millions of dollars on land in the metaverse. You can be a realtor in the metaverse. Somebody bought a half a million, $600,000 digital yacht. This is insane. And they also bought a square of property in the metaverse and built a mall so people can buy clothes in the metaverse. And get it shipped to your house or put it on your avatar. Put it on Which your avatar. One. And when you put on your glasses, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here seeing my guy right here, he got on regular clothes, but I put on my glasses in the metaverse. He got on, you know, the flies. Completely digital. Completely digital new suit. And then Ready Player One, if you haven't seen that movie, it's a perfect example of what is happening right now and what the world will become, pretty much. Right. Watch the basketball games in real time. It's like you there. It's crazy, bro. It's crazy, like I said, and it's changing very fast. Very and fast. And that's one thing you gotta, you know, you gotta be got to be available to change and at least you know make changes um another thing i was going to say too with you know, how you said uh the things are in place for the technology to fully grow like with ai you know ai is around the corner it was really already here mm-hmm. but think about all of the data that we have been given to the supercomputers over this time. Um, like, for example, they're saying people can live for, for, forever in the metaverse. Um, how is that going to be possible? Well, especially for kids growing up now, their whole life is on the internet. Everything that they do, everything that they watch, everything that they say, everything that they type, damnly everything that they think, especially if they start writing and texting it to their friends, all the, that little imaginary line to the cloud. <laughs> all the facial expressions, all of that. And that supercomputer is collecting all of that data. And over time, with the advancement of technology, I feel that, you know, the AI will be able to slightly recreate or even recreate a maybe a bot or whatever you want to call it that can basically mimic you. I mean, so shout out to Alan. He told me a long time ago, it's in these movies with these subliminal messages. There, a, a lot of these movies, they're showing you what they are already planning to do and how things are going to turn out. Our robot, I know it seems far-fetched. But it's not but that far. <laughs> it's not that far at all. And, and when you talk about the information, TikTok. TikTok was in... Started in, I think, Beijing. China, yep. Now, they use it totally different from the way we use it. 
the way they use it, when they scroll, it's information. Their kids, whoever is on it, is learning something. They got a time limit on it, first of all, so you're not going to sit there and scroll all day. After five minutes, it prompts you and it asks you, hey, you've been on here for X amount of time. Do you want to switch to something educational? After a certain time, they can't do it anymore. But as they scroll, they're learning things. Their kids are learning about whatever it is they want them to learn about how to be an astronaut. What? But here in America, what are we doing? Mindlessly scrolling, funny videos, all this nonsense. And we're getting these dopamine hits. That's all it is. And it's fucking your brain up. And you don't realize it. Get your kids off of TikTok because... It's ruining their brain. And you see, even in China, they had it to where they, they put a limit on the amount of video games that their kids can play. Now, in China, it's easier to do that because they're a totalitarian right. regime. So they don't have the same rights as we have. And, uh, you know, once I guarantee there'll be a lot of backlash if you try to make laws like that here. But... um. We it doesn't do it necessarily have to be a law, but it needs to be a standard. Like, your kids, they 16 hours on the game, bro. Like, come on. It starts in the home. It, 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 that's, get their ass up off of it. Get them off of it. If it ain't jump start, man. Jump start, read. But back, before we get off of it, the they're taking all of our information and they're using it against us. They know exactly what we like to watch and all, because all of the information that TikTok, it's going back to them. It's and not it's, here. It's and that's not. a. That's another reason why people be mad at Trump. But that was one of the reasons why he didn't want somebody else to buy it because he knew exactly what the platform. He knew what the platform was set up to do, and he noted that information is going back to them. Data is the new gold or oil, if you want to call it that. Um, it's the most expensive shit in the world, other than the light. And we and, got to, we got to. Do the in-house cleaning ourselves. They they can do it over there because, like you said, their their structure is set up different. But we get mad when they try to regulate something like that. But something it's this specific is TikTok and what your kids watch and how much time they're spending on you have to regulate that. You gotta re- you have to, especially if they're mindlessly scrolling. Ruining their brain is fucking up their communication skills because I can't stand talking to somebody or trying to have a conversation and they can't keep their hands off of their phone. It's like, bro, do you not see? It's addicting. Like, even, very. You, you just want to do this. That's it. And, and it's, I find myself doing it. I'm All like, dang, it's really bad. I like, did it a couple times. It's really, it's, it's bad. Like, like, what were we? What were people doing before that? Like. It was outside. It was outside and reading a book. But now we this is where we are. This is where we are. And we got we got to say it's a tool. It's a good tool. But you just gotta police. It's a damn good. But if you if you're using it in the wrong way, it can be terrible for you and your kids. Pay attention up. So I was reading a this may be a little off, but I was reading um basically saying this next 20, 30 years, um, mental illness is, is going to go through the roof due to social media. Um, because, you know, you know, basically social media, you just see all of the great stuff people are doing and it's kind of 
like I say, the younger kids, we're in the, we're in a sweet spot. You know, the, the 25s, the, the 35s. We grew up in the world half without this shit, mm-hmm. half, half with it. it. So just save the internet cut off today. The boomers, they're going to be like, I don't give a fuck. I live most of my life without it. So they, the playing field even now. If it cut off for us, yeah, it sucks. But we all right. If it cut off for these little it's kids. For our kids, oh, man. If they... Mom, the fucking Wi-Fi is off. Oh, Man. some parents gonna drop that day. <laughs> show shit. DHR they getting get called you. left and right. They gonna run away. <laughs> Coming to get your ass. But yeah, that, I mean that's that's where we are, and we gotta realize it and just you know police it. You know, deal with it. Make Please. make changes. That's I'm like, it is what it is, and I'm just I'm just gonna be like this all day. I'm no. trying to figure out can I get it. Can I get a VPN, use their location, but you know how you can use a VPN, you can get certain channels across yeah, there. I, I wanna, got a VPN. I want to know if I can get a VPN and use it the way they use it. So my internet, when I'm when I'm doing it, it's kind of set up like theirs. So I'm not mindless, which I'm working on it myself, but if I got something that's telling me right then too, Hey, you've been doing this too long, and and it's showing me I'm not scrolling aimlessly, or my, I'm learning stuff as I scroll. You feel me? I will either we need to make an app like that or something so that because a can lot of change the, the trajectory of the way we're going right now. Because a lot of the information we get is not um, organic; um, it's definitely um, kind of tailored to you. Even on our Facebook feeds, a lot of time you are. And this is what you're, you're, it's polarizing people. It's getting them to be less open to other ideas. Cause most, even like what, 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 what just happened right now, um, with the Lizzo thing, I'm seeing the same. What happened? I missed it. Algorithm. Huh? What happened with Lizzo? Oh, with the the picture with (laughs) picture with the ass out. You know what I'm saying? I saw, I didn't even know. This was recently on the plane. Not too long ago, but okay, okay, My probably friend. a few days ago. But the thing is, like everybody's opinion, it's like the same. You just the same opinions, and it's kind of like you're in a cesspool for agreeing with your own opinions. So it's like that's cool, but where's like what about if somebody have a different opinion? Now you're so ready to snap on them because you're so used to used getting to. agreed with and everything and that's what's happening in this world right now and it's on because i follow i got facebook you know i got black friends i got white friends i got country friends up here i got these type of friends so i see it all and the 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 propaganda and stuff that be going i'd be like this is ridiculous and people just share and share and share and share and agree and agree and agree and it's like but you don't know that this algorithm is kind of forcing you toward that way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but you don't see it like that. It's only one way to beat. Well, it's two ways. You got to open your eyes. First way, stay the fuck away from the shit, right? The second way, you got to literally like every single thing that comes across your page. So if you scroll it on the ground, you got to literally Every single post, because that's the only way to confuse the algorithm as to what you like, you like. and it don't know what to feed you. It I didn't think I didn't think about it that way. 
Cause that's what they're doing, and, and that's that's a good thing for advertisers. Cause you know, instead of me spending, instead of me running this commercial, if you got a business or something, right? Um, I um, can aim it. I can aim. It. I know. I know Stanley want a piece after this. So I'm going to go and send him a 25% coupon to Papa John's mm-hmm. as soon as he look at his phone. Exactly. Instead of me putting the Papa John's pizza commercial for everybody to see, only 5% of them bought it. But if I if I know both all three of these want a pizza, I'm going to go and send an email to their thing right now. And guess what? I'm going to buy it. The statistics are already proven that Targeted they got their ads. numbers. And they it, know how they know the percentage of people that's gonna buy when they send it. Mm-hmm. But that takes away the organic living. It's kind of like, dang, it's that's cool. I see the I see the good in it, but I also see the bad, like terrible in it. Like, dang, I don't, you know, you already kind of making choices or leading me. You know, if you don't have a strong understanding of this, you can just get led and led and led to different things, and you just like don't even really know it. Um. Like I saying these people are not doing like you say this stuff uh, attacks your dopamine receptors just like you're doing drugs. It, it does the exact same thing. Exact same. That's why you sure. want to pick up your phone and look at the light. Mm-hmm. It's rewarding. <laughs> you, re- yeah, <laughs> you just want to do it. It's rewarding to your brain. It is. Yeah. <laughs> and it's crazy, but we got we got we got to shine they a light have on academic this studies on this stuff. It is real. This just ain't. Oh we, no, this is real. Happening to probably, I mean, if I'm pretty sure 99% of people can relate, I must say that if you can't, kudos doing to good. you, you're doing an amazing job. But I know for a fact that I have this issue, I, it's not as bad for me because I realized it a while back, so I've implemented those strategies to try not to. But still, that habit is so bad that I have my moments and times where I am endlessly frozen. Yeah, just, it's important to catch yourself in those moments and hey, I need to do something else with my time. All right, bro. So in end, and what what would you like to leave the people with? Because I don't I don't think this is gonna be your last time on here, and I don't think this is gonna be the people last time wanting to see you on this bit. So in the end of this episode, what would you like to leave them with? Um Man, take education as um, as some very serious. Um, we we won't we won't we're doing this. You know, we really need a financial piece out here to to help. You know, our brothers and sisters that are not getting. It's kind of like they're not getting fed at school. You know what I'm saying? You're not getting fed the proper diet. Not getting fed the proper information to help. You know your longevity as far as a person and and your generational wealth. And helping your your family, so um, I just want to encourage people to come back because I'm gonna come back with some more financial tips and stuff, man. Uh, I want to definitely get some of the stuff that I've been working on in my head and and uh, just you know try to get get it out here to the public, man. Um, that's pretty much it. Let the people know. Do you do you plug your businesses? Yeah. Oh yeah. So you know I got um uh. ALB Enterprise, the car, you know, car dealership. You know, we have a lot up in Florence, Alabama, and I still sell cars in Birmingham. Uh, I also have a CBD dispensary, which I didn't get to talk about much today, but I definitely would like to talk about that and, you know, jumping into that industry as a black male selling legal weed. Um, that that was a definitely a mind blower. And um, also I'm a part of a few nonprofits, Jamming for Justice. Um 
We actually threw uh, a big Juneteenth event in the Shoals area that's in North Alabama. Uh, I want to be a part of any. Hit me up anytime you need some help, but I want to be a part of shit like that. Yeah, we, we're actually throwing another Juneteenth celebration this year. We This is going to be our third year in a row, uh, and now it's a national holiday, so it's getting more recognition. That's another thing I was ashamed about. I didn't even know about Juneteenth until I worked at a black-owned bank and still didn't see the significance. So me being able to throw a Juneteenth event and see younger kids have fun with a red, green, and black flag and not only – having fun for 4th of July because all of us didn't have fun. For we we know what 4th of July is. We pop fireworks. Mm-hmm. Well, let's pop fireworks on Juneteenth so the kids can grow up and know, like, oh, this is when you know, my family was freed and this is mm-hmm. my heritage and stuff. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of what I've been working on. Uh, like I said, my car business, uh, the, the CBD and hemp industry. Um, crypto, of course, it's kind of like my little baby. I'm trying to, you know, figure that out and, and get it all together. And then, like I say, the nonprofit stuff. So, um, you know, I'm just out here trying to grind, man. All right, man. You done? Yeah, that's it. Well, shit, man, get in the comment section and let us know what y'all thought about this episode first. Because I think we dropped a lot of little gems and some shit that motherfuckers needed to know. Close-minded people, open your mind up, please. Please, please, please. You know where to find us at SF Media 22 on Snapchat, Instagram, SF Podcast 21. We got the website up, southernfamilypod.com. We got merch coming soon. Yeah, that's a dope shirt. See it? Yeah. I am creative, Sam. I am creative. Shout out to you. Yeah, man. And I guess that's the end of this episode, bro. Southern Family Podcast. We gone.